Hello and welcome to the You Matter to Christ podcast. Many of our listeners and guests call this podcast an experience because throughout the variety of extraordinary people we have on the show, you'll hear stories of overcoming trauma, hitting record-breaking business goals, people forgiving the unforgivable, and yes, even miracles that will shock and inspire you. On this show, you'll hear from professional athletes, entrepreneurs, and everyday people from all walks of life. Discover the profound truth that regardless of your background or circumstances, you matter deeply to the creator of the universe. You were made for a purpose, and you matter to Christ. Get ready for inspiring stories, personal testimonies, and uplifting messages that remind us of the unchanging love and grace available to all. And remember this, you matter to Christ. Hey everybody, Chad Burmeister, and I am your host of the Living a Better Story podcast. And I think I've just met my uh, my match when it comes to changing the world, because God told me that I needed to change the world in the last couple of years. And now we're talking to Gary Van Dyke, who actually has changed the world for a long time. So Gary is uh, is with Food for Orphans. He's done a lot of work for them and the founder of Food for Orphans. And he left a very successful career in radio and TV, and we're going to dig into some of that. But for now, Gary, so glad to have you on the show. Thanks for being here today. Thanks for the invitation, Chad. I'm really looking forward to our conversation. Man, it's it's just fun to talk to the people that you get to talk to. I think I'm on about number 40 conversation this year on the Living a Better Story podcast. And what almost everybody has in common is that something happens in the middle of their life that feels like the biggest gut punch you could get. I think you told me you had a, a burn on your hand when you leaned on a grill at a restaurant uh, trying yeah. to catch yourself. I'm sure that was one of those little bumps in the road along the way that at the time was hard to get through, but uh, just great to have you here. So, so you're in Colorado Springs. I've been fishing there a lot. I've been to Garden of the Gods. My grandparents went there with me. How, how's the Springs? Is it pretty warm right now or are you having a good day down there today? You know, Colorado Springs is just like right outside the gates of heaven. So our weather is perfect. Everything is perfect. It's, uh, it's low humidity and very comfortable today. It's like 72 uh, it's really, really nice. I'm sorry, Chad. I know it's warm where you're we're at. We're probably 82, but it's, yeah. it's not bad it's, unless your air conditioner's out. <laughs> but we're at, uh, we're at about 7,000 feet high. So it's a, it's always as good weather here. Nice. And I'm, I think they're building a new thing on the top of color of, uh, Pike's peak, a new overlook get, there. Yeah. A new nice. visitor center. Yes. That'll be neat. Well, let's rewind the tape a little bit and go back to when you're a youngster, because what I've found in talking to people is that we're all created in God's image. And when we're children, that's the closest to who we're meant to be, because there's been no filters put on. There's no teachers, you know, you've just barely start to understand language and whatnot. 
when you were a kid, what, what were you passionate about when you woke up in the morning and you, you know, were you in Colorado Springs or where were you? And what floated your boat when you were a kid? Well, you, you confused me there because you said, let's go back to our childhood. I haven't left my childhood. <laughs> That's exactly right. Me too. I'm still stuck there as well. Well, I was, uh, I, I, re- I was raised uh, in, in, born in Kentucky and raised in uh, Tennessee and Chatt- around Chattanooga and uh, went to high school up in New York State. And so I've been on the eastern side of the United States for a long time and just in the past 20 years been out here in the west in Colorado. But uh, when I was a child, um, I was raised uh, in a house that, uh, that always worshiped God. Uh, my father was uh, called to be a pastor when he was older. He was in his uh, late 30s when he first went to college and uh, around 40. And he became a pastor. And so I spent all of my childhood and uh, my teenage years and, until I left home in the, as the son of a preacher man. And so, you know, I'm troubled to begin with just because of that. Well, yeah, half people, I think, stray very far to one side and the other half stay, stay on the straight and narrow. Did you stray at all after, after those days or? Absolutely. (laughs) Uh, And I'm not proud of it, but, uh, but I'm acknowledging it. Uh, As soon as I left home when I was 20, I uh, immediately turned my back on God and just decided that that was something that I, I believed in God but it wasn't something that was an important part of my journey. It wasn't part of my, uh, God was not part of my GPS, shall we say. Uh, I decided to go my own way and do my own thing for several years until I made the decision that either I followed God full-heartedly or I just rejected him altogether and called him a liar and called him a fake. And I realized that I believe in God, that I wanted to pursue him. I wanted to follow his path. And I just made the decision to drop everything else and just follow him. And I did it on my own. Nobody pressured me. And since then, it's been, it's been great. Uh, life has been tough. I've had some challenges, but there's no doubt that the fact that I'm following Christ is uh, an important part of my destiny. And I'm glad for it. Well, I just visited Kentucky last last week uh, and stayed an extra day because there were some flight delays out of this small place called Lexington. (laughs) And I went and saw Noah's Ark, uh, the Noah's Ark encounter. Yeah, it was pretty incredible. I'm, I'm hoping to get there someday. Wow. Yeah. I would highly, highly encourage it. And wouldn't you know, when I went to watch the first 20 minute opener, somehow the app was named 77 pray that we're launching in a week or so. And a guy in the audience said, Hey, you should, one time I presented about my idea of the app and he goes, you should, you should call it seven colon seven. I was like, what for? He goes, cause Matthew seven, seven says, ask and you shall receive. I was like, yeah, okay, that's kind of a cool one. I like that. So I go, I told my wife, hey, maybe we'll call it 77. She goes, well, what? 77 has no meaning. You have to put something behind it. And I was like, okay, I, 77 Pray, how's that? And she said, okay, that'll work. So that's how 77 Pray was named. Well, now I'm sitting in Lexington, Kentucky, or just outside of at the Noah's Ark Encounter. And the very first 
20 minutes, they go, based on Genesis 7-7, when Noah and his family entered the ark. And I was like, oh, and I got goosebumps because I've been seeing Noah's ark everywhere I can be for the last year. Just it comes up and I'll just say, hey, hey, humor me. There was a pastor at a cigar bar once. I said, humor me. Would you just flip to a random verse? And he gets to the Noah's Ark verse. Another time I'm in Florida in Sarasota and I go, humor me. Would you just flip to a verse? He goes, no. And I was like, hmm, okay. I guess that means we're just not going to hit the Noah verse. And he opens it up. <laughs> Our chapter today is about Noah. And he talked about, <laughs> and I, so I'm like, okay, God, I get it. You, you want me to understand. And I believe there's a flood that's coming is the message I've been feeling. It's not water, but it's information flood. And you need to choose the right door. And that's what 77 Pray is going to be about, right? Get rid of Facebook. Let's get people that are like-minded that seek the kingdom and coalesce around something that's better than all of that other fake stuff. Well, you know, Chad, uh, you know, the story of Noah's Ark is a, is a story of renewal, is a story of starting over. And uh, boy, that goes right along with a lot of what you're talking about. Mm, yeah, that's right. Because it doesn't have to be, you don't have to wait till you die to start over. You can make the decision today to say clean yeah. slate, let's go. Yeah, that's, that's right. Good. That's right. Oh, I love it. So thinking back to when you were six and you had, uh, or 10 or 12 or your childhood that you were the pastor's son, how does that now tie into the kind of work that you're doing today and the work you did through your career? Well, it, it helped me in that uh, it made me listen. It taught me how to listen to God and how to, how to ask God questions. That's what my childhood taught me is that is that praying with a conversation attitude, not a liturgical attitude, but a conversation attitude and having a conversation with God opens up a whole lot of information that will he'll download to me. Mm -hmm. <laughs> and, and if it wasn't for my relationship of seeking God, I probably would never have had the opportunity to start Food for Orphans and impact the lives of thousands of orphans around the world. We're in, uh, we've been in 16 different countries. We've fed thousands of orphans. We've provided over 8 million meals so far. Well, close to 9 million now, uh, meals to orphans around the world. And if it wasn't for my relationship, well, if it wasn't for my childhood and the direction that I took, with my father, I would not have, well, when I left my home and turned my back on the church and God, uh, if it wasn't for my childhood, I wouldn't have had a place to come back to. I wouldn't have, I would not have known to have come back to God. I would have just been out there uh, bouncing around from uh, stupidity to stupidity. Uh, if it wasn't for the fact that my mom and dad laid a groundwork for me and kind of gave me the points on the GPS to return to. Mm. There's another Coloradan who lives, I think near Evergreen. It's probably somewhere near there. Dr. Jim Wilder, who's a neurotheologist. 
And so I was introduced to him and two days later he said, yeah, I'll come down to your fire pit. Cause every Thursday or so we have a group of five or 10 people come to the fire pit. Um, it started at the beginning of COVID and it grew from two people to 12. And so Jim Wilder shows up one day and he's, it was, it was just an amazing conversation. His parents were missionaries and so were his wife's. And so similar story. He said, I don't know, this is either one big fake thing or it's real. And he goes, all my, he gets invited by three girls to a church and he's asked to pray at midnight. And he goes, okay, I'll do the prayer. But now he's like, well, geez, now I'm going to either be damned because I'm faking it or I just don't know. Right. And so he ends up meets this other kid. I think that night who said, Hey, let's just pray every night for like a month and compare notes and see what, what the download is and see how comparable it is. And he goes, you would not believe me for 30 days in a row, we compared notes and it was the same message, almost word for word. So he's like, okay. So at that point I realized that there really is a there there. And now I've committed my whole life to learning about the theology and the neuro side of connect connection and understanding God. Now that's fascinating. It's really so cool. He said that there's 613 laws in the Old Testament. I said, hey, I'm thinking of writing a book on choices, making good choices, a kid's book. He's like, good luck with that. He goes, in the, in the Old Testament, there's 613 simultaneous laws. So when there's two options, it's two to the power of 613 when trying to consider all of those 613 variations. And, and he goes, you know, how many, you know how much that is, right, Chad? He goes, I go, yeah, it's like every piece of sand on the beach in California. He goes, no, it's every known neuron in the entire universe <laughs> times two times 3.14. Oh, so I'm like, okay, I recognize 3.14. That's infinity. So basically there's no way anybody could make a valid decision analytically. The right way is what would God do? And how would I optimize for the history of time? He was like, you've got to optimize for what would God do? Cause it's way above our pay grade. And how do I optimize for the history of time? I was like, okay, I better get to work. Cause if I'm optimizing for the history of time, I got a lot of action that I need to take, <laughs> but I love these conversations. They're fascinating. There's a lot that people have inside them that they don't realize. And when they hear about someone like you, that's fed 8 million meals and thousands of people around the world, that's, that's commendable. Thank so you. tell us, it can't always have been that easy. Uh, you've, you've had a career, you've had some health stuff, and you've had some challenges along the way. What's, what's something that you're comfortable sharing that was that gut punch that now looking back was a, a good thing, but at the time felt like it was very hard to go through? Oh, you want me to be honest with you? <laughs> honest yeah. and transparent. That's what transparent. we're looking for on the Living a Better Story show. Uh, back in 1991, uh, I'd been married for 20 years and thought everything was going well. And my spouse, my wife came to me and said, uh, I'm leaving. And I'm going to move in with my boyfriend, who I didn't even know she had. So I went through a divorce that just about killed me. Uh, I, I stopped eating and lost about 60 pounds in two months and uh, really uh, had a rough time of it. I had five children and uh, I went to a counselor and he said, what you're feeling is extremely similar 
to what a man would feel if his wife was killed in a car wreck and all their children died also. Wow. And he said, that's what you're feeling. He says, it's a normal thing, but it is severe. And it was for me. And it took me 10 years to get over it. it took me 10 years to not be in a suffering mode where I felt a tremendous loss. But because of that, there was an opportunity I had uh, in 1999 to go visit some children's projects for Compassion International. I went to Peru, South America, Lima, Peru. And while I was there, I saw what I believe is poverty for the first time in my life. I'd seen American poverty, but that's nothing compared to third world country poverty where people are suffering and dying and just because they can't get a piece of bread. And when I left Lima, Peru, I knew that my life was changed forever. I knew that it was not going to be the same for me, that I could not turn my back. I couldn't go home and go to my refrigerator and to my pantry and to the fast food restaurant and to the grocery store without thinking about all those kids that I saw, thinking about all those kids that are suffering needlessly while I enjoyed my life. Mm. I enjoyed eating three meals a day where they are hoping, hoping to eat one meal a day, even a partial meal. And so I came home and I said, I'm going to do something about it. And the pain of losing my children in a divorce was what made me super sensitive when I met these kids who the ones that I, the ones that really touched me the most were the orphans because they were like my kids. They had lost one of their, at least one of their parents. My kids lost me. And so I, I identified with these orphans and I said, if there's something that I can do, I'll do it. And I said, God, whatever you want me to do, I'll do. And so uh, I believe that God directed me to think about what their needs were I felt that God was talking to me and saying, what do they need? And I said, they need everything, books, backpacks, beds, beanie babies, blankets. He said, yeah, but what do they need the most? I said, well, according to the statistics, 70% of them don't have enough food to make it through a day and don't have a clue where food's coming tomorrow or if there is food tomorrow. He said, well, then feed them. And I thought, well, God, that's great. What, how do I do that? He said, get other people to work with you. Get other people involved. Give other people the opportunity to join you. And he said, you know, you live in America. And it's typical to eat three meals a day. I bet you you could find somebody who's willing to cut back 35 cents a day. And that's what we can feed an orphan for, 35 cents a day. Hmm. And so if we, can, if we can get some people to help us, then maybe we could feed some. Well, we, here we are almost 9 million meals later, <laughs> and we're, we're, we have impacted 
a lot of orphans, thousands and thousands of them. But the thing is, is that just because we took care of those, they, you know, there's for every orphan that grows up and becomes an adult and leaves the, the, the orphan project, there's probably 10 more that are following in their footsteps that are just being born. So there's a lot of orphans out there that are orphaned for no fault of their own. So I, I decided that it was time for me to do something. And I, I just said, well, I'm kind of stupid. I can, I can do something. And even though my people say that, you know, you're fighting an uphill battle, uh, I couldn't see the uphill battle part. All I saw was an opportunity. So I took it. And uh, here we are. We're uh, talking to Chad about food for orphans. Well, it's it. It makes me think of Make a Wish Foundation. Um, you know, the founder uh, I met a couple of years ago in New York City at an event, and another friend of mine in Arizona was supposed to do a made-for-TV uh, series, and you know, and he passed away earlier. Uh, I don't know, five six months ago, I believe. Uh, Frank, and when I saw the, the movie about his talk, the, you know, of how Frank's situation came about, he didn't have the best upbringing. His, his dad wasn't a pastor. Um, and, and the mom and dad had some issues and challenges and, uh, to say the least, but it led to make a wish. And, and now they've impacted 450,000 people. So, I've really been in my mind, how do I impact a million people? And, and, you know, I've had some people tell me, Hey, why set an upper limit quota? You're being stupid. <laughs> you know? So, so I've really gotten to a point where whether it's one, 10, a hundred, a million or a billion, whatever God needs it to be is what he'll, is what he'll enable. And so that's the 77 pray app. We, everybody I show it to, are going, wow, that's, that's a, that's going to be amazing. Sign me up. And I'm, I don't know, we could have 47 subscribers, <laughs> but I don't think that will be the case. And I think it's going to enable us to help do things like feed people and help the Kenya girls school at the Daraja Academy and people that I run across that just need help. Um, that's that I'm the vessel it's all on loan to me. So I need to be able to pass it through to people who are in more need than I am. Um, all right, let me ask you a question. So it's always interesting when I ask, what, what would you like, and it's a loaded question, so I'll caveat that. What would you like to accomplish that would change everything for you? I have a feeling I know what the answer would be, but let her rip. Well, I plan on spending the rest of my life uh, feeding orphans. So the answer to your question is going to be framed within food for orphans. So what I'd like to be able to accomplish though, is to find people that can introduce us to corporations who, uh, and the corporations would be willing to sit down and have a, a talk about how their support of food for orphans in, in a multiple different ways, not necessarily just writing a check, but there's other ways that they can, that they can help these orphans. And, and in doing so, they could reap the benefits of the great PR and the great way of 
you know, using uh, what they do and brought and letting people know about it and advertising it, that let people know that they have a heart. And the corporations right now need that because there's so much competition in, in the business world that this, this would help them a lot. So I'd like to, I'd like to be able to, to see that happen where we have corporations who are partners with Food for Orphans. And I would like to be able to sit down and talk to some people about that. Well, you're talking to probably the top 25 person in America that knows how to do outreach to corporations at scale. And that's why the company's called ScaleX. So whenever I uncover opportunities to help such as this, of course, right? We helped uh, the, the Daraja Academy double their best year of donations this year. So that's great. I'm pretty sure we'll be able to help food for orphans. And uh, it's, we're not here by accident. That's for sure. Apparently not. <laughs> um, so let's say you could go back to your 20-year-old self and say, hey, Bug, Gary, you got to keep this one thing in mind. What would be the one thing that you would tell your 20-year-old self? I would say that it would have to be. Don't believe everything that the world tells you. Um, be wise be smart. Uh, this thing about, about God, it's, it's, it's legit. God's real. He's there. He's watching. He wants to be your friend. He wants to, he wants to, he wants to clear the path for you. If you just give him a chance. And, and that would be the, the biggest thing that I think that would help that 20 year old, uh, help me when I was 20, I would like to say to him, just, just keep on looking for God, keep on being partners with him because that makes all the difference in the world to me. There have been challenges. Uh, you and I talked before we started the, the recording that we, that I've gone through some medical challenges and then going through some medical challenges now, but uh, I would much rather it doesn't bother me to go through a medical challenge if I've got God on my side. And that doesn't mean he's going to heal me. Well, he will eventually. I'll either get healed or go to heaven. <laughs> and there's no disease in heaven. That's right. But there's a, uh, you know, but there is something about being able to say, you know, it's okay. I'm going to be all right. And I, and I, I will be okay because I'm having a blast. <laughs> I played Euchre with my aunt and uncle in Charlotte, North Carolina uh, last week. And, and Skip Bo was their other favorite game. And in Euchre, are, did you play Euchre at all? No. So there's this thing you can do where you say, go it alone. And it's not recommended because you have a partner, right? You play in partners. These, me and Gary and Sandra and the guy from next door. And so one time I said, I'm going to go this one alone. And it didn't end well. <laughs> I, I, I definitely got a sweeping on that one. And I think a lot of us tend to go it alone in life all the time. And when you can, when you can recognize that you've got someone in your corner that's cheering you on and truly, like you said, you can, you can ask the best prayer that I always use is your will be done. When I go to bed at night, it's, what is it? Your will be done. Whatever you want me to do tomorrow, next year, next 10 years, what is it? And when I go on that philosophy, 
it's just magical. And I gave that prayer to a guy about five years ago, seven years ago. And two years later, he was about to lose his family, his three kids. And he called me back two years later and said, Chad, you gave me that prayer and you told me to do it for 30 days in a row. And I did. And I was on drugs and now I'm not. And now I have two people who work for me and I saved my house and I saved my family. And I was like, okay, I'd, I'd, that level of high five feels better for me when I, when someone else can be impacted it there's nothing better than that (laughs) it's it's a lot of fun all right last question i think again i know the answer but i'm going to ask it anyway because it's question 10 and that's what role does faith play in your life we've touched on it a lot but what would you say about faith well it, it it without a doubt without a doubt is the center rail for me. It's, uh, it's where I figure out how am I off base any, am I, am I off, am I off course? Uh, and my faith and, and my belief in God is how I find whether or not I'm close to the edge of the cliff or not. And so if it wasn't for that, if it wasn't for me pursuing God and, and just, having conversations with God and, and that, I don't think I would know where the edges were. I don't think I'd know where the cliff was and I'm not willing to risk it. Maybe when I was 20, I would have risked it. But now that I've gotten a little wiser and a little older and I've realized some of the mistakes and the, when you stub your toe, man, it really hurts sometimes. Sometimes you just hit that nerve that you just, whoa, I didn't even know that nerve was there. And that's, that's what life is like sometimes. You, you, we have a tendency to go maybe a little bit too close to the edge and we didn't mean to, or maybe with the path we're on is littered with glass and we didn't know it, nails and glass. I, I, you know, I, there have been times when I've been so glad that God says, hey, look down, look at your feet, look at the, look at the path you're on, look at the direction you're headed. This is not going to end good. So why don't you get off this path? And so that's what faith has meant for me. And, and if it wasn't for that, I don't know where I'd be right now, Chad. You know, I, I'd, I could be anywhere and, and not necessarily in a good, good place. So I'm, I'm glad to be where I'm at. And I'm glad to be fought letting God handle the reins. Love it. My good friend who's part of living a better story is one of the experts in the world on mindset. And so he's figured out with years of practice, decades, and help of other trainers, how to go inside your mind and almost defragment, like in Windows 95. You remember Windows when you'd click yeah. the defrag button? Oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And, and I think he's gotten so good at going it alone and helping other people to figure out how to go it alone. And yet he, there's a missing piece to his life. He had a multi-gazillion dollar mansion in Aspen. He had a jet plane and he's best friends with John Denver. And then a lot of that evaporated. And he's been very successful traveling all over the world, meeting all kinds of people. But his number one stated goal is to grow closer to God. And 
and, and, and I'm excited to see him move down that path. And I'm optimistic that him listening to conversations like this one and spending time at the fire pit with Jim Wilder that night. And when you hear the over and over again, how grown men and grown women have spent their lives straying and then coming back and figuring out, no, no, that's what it is all about. I'm, I'm optimistic that these conversations with God, maybe we should be branding that uh, because they are. And so I, I appreciate you sharing your journey, the bumps in the road and your mission with Food for Orphans today with our audience. And um, I look to form a friendship with you over the years because I think I can I can help your mission uh, and God, God willing, we can move the ball down the field. That would be interesting. How much time do we have? We have all the time in the world. Oh, let's just take a minute. <laughs> I wanted to, I want to do, I want to do, uh, to uh, add to that, that question that you gave me about what would I tell that 20 year old? And I've got to tell you this, I would tell the 20 year old someday you're going to be traveling to central African Republic. And when you do, take extra food with you. And here's the reason why. We had a big, big dinner. Uh, we were feeding about 500 orphans in Central African Republic. And I went over there to check on the project. And uh, my wife and I uh, went over. And we wanted to make sure everything was the way it's supposed to be. Make sure the donors, donations were being spent the way that they anticipated it, the way they would approve. And we had 500 of these orphans we were feeding and we were in a compound with a wall, walled in compound with a gate and everything else and for the safety of the children. And uh, we got to the end of the meal because we, uh, we had fed all of the 500 kids that were there. And we told them, okay, this is, that's the last of it, you know, we hope everybody enjoyed it. We looked over at the gates of the uh, compound and there were two boys standing there with their arms around each other. They're about, I would say three years old and five, maybe six years old. Very, very young. Turns out they were orphaned and they had just arrived, but they arrived after all the food was gone and they saw all of the other orphans leaving and they were standing there crying because they didn't get any food to eat and they had been looking forward to this they just couldn't get there in time to get in line to get the food and we didn't have anything all we had were some emergency protein bars and that was it and of course we gave them all we had and we made arrangements to get them some food and to check on their situation and where were they living and well, we took care of all that. But it just, I can't get over that, the look of those boys crying because they missed out on the food. And when I came home, I realized I never want to be in that situation again where there's children who are hungry and I don't do something. So my purpose for being with you today is to let people know that they can do something because there's kids out there who need us adults to be adults. 
We don't need to be children. We need to be adults and step up. We need to stand in the gap for these kids who can't stand in the gap for themselves. Chad, I can't tell you how many nine-year-old head of households I've met. Mm. Now think about that for a second. It means mom and dad have died. There's five children. The oldest is nine years old. And that nine-year-old has got to find food for the other four. And I, I have met these kids. They're out there. And we can do something about this. They don't have to starve. They don't have to suffer. We can do something about this. If I have to miss a meal, one meal a day, we're talking about 35 cents. So we're not talking about a lot. You know, $11. It's, it's, one, it's one K cup a day to be yeah. transparent. Yeah. And that's a third of a K cup probably to be honest. Yeah. That's $11 a month. We could, we could, it takes to provide one meal a day to an orphan. So there's, there's things that people can do and let's just, I just ask people to don't let these kids go hungry when they don't have to. That's right. Visit foodfororphans.org is the website. And what would they click on? I'm sure it's very easy to find how to. Oh, there's a donate button at the top of the page. Donate button upper right. $11 a month. Yep. Man, I'm in and we're going to, I, I feel like I need to talk to you about where I need to travel and when. Because um, I, I, I'd like to travel and I'd like to bring some extra food while I'm there. So I don't, uh, so I make sure yeah. to have enough. You don't want to make oh, sure you got God. something in the backpack. That's right. That's right. Amazing. Well, God does amazing things. I'm, uh, I'm just glad he, he asked me to show up here today and, and have a great conversation with you, Gary. And yeah, I, um, foodfororphans.org. Let's let's follow up and, and get some outbound going to some corporations. We helped, uh, we helped the lady named Danielle sell $10 million in masks at the start of COVID by dropping a voicemail to 1400 chief procurement officers. She called wow. and said, Chad, you're creative. Everybody else is doing emails and blasts and Facebook ads. What do you recommend? And I said, just let me give you the tips on how to do a 45 second voice greeting. And we'll see what happens. And she literally sold $10 million worth of masks. <laughs> That's <laughs> so, awesome. So if we That's can really do that, great. then, you know, I'm sure we can feed some people. Yeah, that's great. That'd be good. Yeah, I'm looking forward to that, Chad. Thank you so much for uh, inviting me today. I've had a good time. Gary, thanks for being on the Living Better Story podcast. I, uh, yeah, long, long I wish you the best with your health and, uh, and I'll be praying for you. And I look to meet you at some point here in the near future, instead of in two dimensional, we'll go for three dimensional. Let's do that. All right, everybody. Thanks for joining today. Gary Van Dyke. What an awesome conversation. I think we all wish we could have an impact like Gary's had and we can, all we have to do is follow the Lord. Amen. Thank you for joining us on the You Matter to Christ podcast. We hope this journey has reminded you of the incredible truth that your life holds immense value and significance to Christ. As you go about your day, may you carry the assurance that no matter what you face, you are deeply cherished and loved. Remember, you matter to Christ. If you enjoyed this podcast, be sure to subscribe and share it with others who may benefit from this message. 
Stay tuned for more transformative episodes where we continue to explore the depth of God's love and grace. Until next time, remember that you are not alone. Christ's love is with you, guiding and strengthening you every step of the way. May your life be filled with hope, purpose, and the knowledge that you matter to Christ.